Thank you guys for joining in in edition number one of the Coalition Podcast. This is something that we just started. Uh, Jake and I have been brainstorming this for the last few weeks, especially with the virus going on. Just trying to figure out how to uh, maybe get some content out there that be beneficial to people. This could bomb really bad. We were talking about that earlier. We might suck at this. So if we do, we apologize uh, in advance. So what do you think, Jake? Is this going to go good or bad? You know, I don't really know if it'll go good or bad. Um, I know it feels super cool. Um, I've got this uh, headset on, sort of like I'm an airline pilot in this big uh, radio deal. So uh, I feel like I'm a little bit in the entertainment industry. Um, which I've got no business being in. So I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be successful because I feel like we're surrounded by a lot of awesome toys and stuff that I don't know how it works. And uh, I, I think it's going to go good. I really do. There's no doubt we're the weak link in this deal, though. That's 100% accurate. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, my fear is not that we're good or bad, but that we're in the middle where somebody listens to us and we're so like mediocre that they can't even mock us for being bad right it's going to be like a love it or hate it deal for sure it's not going to be like yeah they're all right because these guys really have no business doing this Mm -hmm. or hey that was that was okay yeah yeah i mean i like i'm 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 at the point now where i when i move this mic i feel like i've got no business touching it because you know it's so so cool it is pretty cool so the real big idea behind this is is reflection Uh, i was thinking about this a while back i was walking through a uh, a used bookstore, and I came across this book. It was from a soldier in the Civil War, and every night he sat down with a diary and he wrote out what he experienced for that day. And it hit me in that moment because I was never a guy who wanted to journal or diary. Yeah, me either. But I realized that most of our history is because men took time to stop and to write it down. And the guys that I really respect tend to be real reflective in life. And so the idea behind this whole podcast is just to stop and reflect a little bit on yeah. strengths and weaknesses uh, for us to look at our own lives. And maybe through our conversation, other guys can learn some stuff through that. So Jake is the first guy that I'm going to do this with uh, for two reasons. Number one, because it, we kind of brainstormed this whole idea together. But the second reason is, is Jake and I have talked a lot about our concept today that we want to discuss. And that is the dark side of leadership. And the real thought of this is that all of us have strengths, we have weaknesses, we have things that uh, have helped us in life, but those things that help us tend to a lot of times bring us down. And I've been reading this book uh, called Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership, How to Become an Effective Leader by Confronting Potential Problems. And and this book is just rocking me because uh, it really is addressing something I already know to be true in my own life. And so, Jake, why don't you give us a 30,000 foot view of who you are and, and why we're talking today? So, um, I am a 33 year old redheaded native American, um, that has a little bit of a weight problem. I'm a father of two boys and, um, I have a, I have a beautiful wife. Uh, we have been married, uh, for 13 years, going on 14 here coming up. And, uh, we live in Grove. I've been in the car business since I was 18 years old. Um, so right away, you know, we probably just lost some, lost some, uh, <laughs> listeners, um, because, uh, f- that's, that's how I've fed my family for the last, uh, you know, 15 or so years. Um, I, uh, I started out as a salesman at a, at a small, small store and, um, really just tried to keep my head down and work super hard. I got into management really, really young. Mm-hmm. Um, on a, I, I really only sold cars for probably four years uh the rest of that time has been uh in management in some capacity 
Um, we have been attending JFA for almost six years, I believe. And um, we are we are just privileged to be a part of that uh, the congregation here. And um, we just we just really enjoy it. Have a lot of friends here, and uh, we we are very blessed. So um, that, in a nutshell, is is my life. Um, you know. I grew up, uh, my parents were divorced when I was in the second grade, uh, dad remarried. I grew up in my dad's home and, uh, had some, uh, inherited some sisters and ended up with a, a half brother. And so it was kind of a years mine and ours thing. So it's awesome. Yeah. I didn't do that in order. Kind of went backwards. That's all right. Close enough. Yeah. It's my first time. Yeah. Well, mine too. So, you know, anyways, um, Really, this whole concept of the of the dark side of leadership is is really fascinating to me. And I want to do is start by just kind of reading some of the the definitions. Like I said a moment ago, the idea is is that everyone has a dark side because we're all imperfect. Sin has corrupted our nature, where there's something inside of every single one of us that's a little bit off, and because it's off. It's going to start skewing our decisions later on in life when stress starts to come or problems start to come in life. Ultimately, it's going to rear its ugly head. Now, the fascinating thing is a lot of times that dark side is also what helps us to succeed in a professional life. So an easy thing to pick on would be workaholics, right? You know, it helps them succeed in in the workplace because they're always there. They put 110%, but it destroys their family life. Right. Uh, you know, people who are real sensitive to the needs of others, you know, a lot of times are always there for them. They're always meeting their needs, uh, but then they carry that weight in their own life where, where they don't deal with their own personal problems and ends up blowing up. The book has identified about five or six different real leadership traits that tend to be dark side. And I just want to read it. Uh, the first one is the compulsive leader. One of the manifestations of the dark side, according to the book is the development of being a compulsive leader. And it uses Moses as one of the examples uh, out of scripture for that. Some of the signs of the compulsive leader include the following. Compulsive leaders are status conscious, looking to reinsurance and approval from those in authority. They try to control activities and keep order. Usually they're workaholics. At time, they can be excessive moralist um, and they can be judgmental. The heart of the compulsive leader is to be angry and have a rebellious attitude. And since they may not feel it proper to express their true feelings, they repress their anger and resentment. The other type of leadership trait that can be a dark side is a narcissistic leader. Uh, This manifestation, they use Solomon as an example out of scripture. Some of the signs of the narcissistic leader include the following. They are driven to succeed by the need of admiration and acclaim. Uh, they often overfiltrate uh, and have a sense of importance as well as great ambition, and they can have these great grandiose fantasies. The heart of the leader is self-absorption and uncertainty due to the feeling of inferiority. In addition, they do not enjoy their ex- success and may be dissatisfied with their lives. Then you got the paranoid leader, and it uses Saul as an example of this out of the scripture. Uh, Some of the signs of the paranoid leader include they're suspicious, hostile, fearful, jealous. They're afraid of someone who will undermine their leadership. They are hypersensitive to the actions of others. They they look for the meaning and motives from other people, and they create rigid structures for control. The heart of the paranoid leader 
is a strong feeling of insecurity or a lack of confidence. The next one is the codependent leader. Uh, and it uses Samson as an example from scripture for that one. Uh, some of the signs of the codependent leader include they are peacemakers who cover up problems rather than face them. Uh, there's an effort to balance, bring balance to every group setting that they're in. They may be benevolent with a high tolerance to deviant behavior. They're willing to take on more work than they should do, and they have no way of telling other people no, and they'd rather act than to do nothing. The heart of the codependent leader is repression and a frustrated person who has trouble giving full, honest expression of emotion and problems. The last one is the passive-aggressive leader, and it uses Jonah as an example from this out of the scripture. Some of the signs of the passive-aggressive leader include they're stubborn, forgetful, and intentionally inefficient. They tend to complain, resist demands, they procrastinate, and they dwindle, uh, excuse me, they dabble in their control of the environment and those around them. On occasion, they will exert control through the use of of short outbursts of sadness or anger. The heart of the passive-aggressive leader is anger and bitterness as well as fear of success since it will lead to higher expectations. So the idea is, is probably all of us have one of those tendencies that really peak in, in our lives. Obviously, they might all be there in one form or fashion or another, but there, there tends to be one that rises to the top um, and that helps us, like I said, to succeed, but it also obviously becomes our, our hindrance and our downfall. So reading that, does, does any of that resonate with you, Jake? I mean, have you seen that in your life and the life of other people uh, play out? Uh, for sure. For sure. Especially in my life. Um, but I have, I've seen it in others, too, just people that I've worked with and, uh, you know, people that I've been around. What's um, interesting to me is as you wrote wrote through those, or excuse me, read through those, I wrote them down as best I could. And I, I noticed that um, I cannot fully commit to any single one of those. Now, I don't have traits out of all of them, but there are a couple that I do for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they're, they're ones that I battle. Um, there's some I think that I've overcame. But uh, I definitely remember seasons where um, I could identify with a couple of these uh, pieces within within all five of those. Which one rises to the top for you, do you think? You know, I think that probably the um, compulsive portion um, would, would rise to the top, um, particularly um, when you mentioned um, workaholic. Mm -hmm. Um, that probably, um, is what resonates as, uh, as the, as the top for me. Um, because basically, um, I kind of struggle with the idea that I needed to, um, you know, pull myself to a, a certain level mm -hmm. status wise to bring value to, to myself, to my name, you know, who I am <clears throat> or, or who I was because I, over the last several years, I, I feel like I, that's been revealed to me um, through friends of mine and, um, you know, through um, just getting to experience life with people that don't mm -hmm. conduct themselves with that with that dark side. And uh, I feel like that has been revealed to me and that I've really tried to work on on those. So 
Um, I, they're still there for sure. Um, uh, they're not gone, but uh, I think that I, I've been able to manage them a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be the top for sure. Yeah. For me, what was interesting about this, when I had this book, there's a little test at the back of each chapter to help you figure out what your dark side is. And I hate not knowing where I'm going on things. So I actually started with the last one, the passive aggressive leader. And I was mm-hmm. just reading through the questions. I'm like, no, that's not really me. And I went to the codependent leader, which is definitely not me. And so I, I'm going through all these and I, I, none of them are resonating with me. Right. I'm like, this isn't me. And I get to the one about being the compulsive leader and it's almost a hundred percent on every single question, is that right? which is about control. Yeah. I mean, one of the things they said in here is that you want to be able to control outcomes or, or you want to be able to, yeah, control activities and keep order and are usually workaholics. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know me, I want to be able to control the outcome of things. Yeah, and I definitely do. want to keep order. Right. Which is obviously a benefit when you're in an organization, right. particularly when you're running a car lot or, you know, you're leading in a church. Right. But it's not that I want to micromanage people. It's that I want to control the outcome. And the fact that I could even read through the book without looking ahead to see where I'm going is evidence that that is my dark side. That's interesting. Yeah. that It's actually, it's kind of cool. I mean, really it's sad is what it is. I mean, I, I can understand that, that, that you look at it that way, but I mean, just the thought that, all right, I got to figure out where we're going to land in here. So I'm under, under the right frame of mind when we get there. You know what I mean? Like I got to make sure I'm wearing the right, right clothes for where we're going to land this plane. Yeah. Know? But the problem is like the season that we're in with this COVID thing, right? Yeah. Like we have no control where that comes out. Yeah. And so what's been bothering me is two things. One, my routine is completely out of whack. And two, I have no way of controlling where this thing ultimately lands. Mm. So what has been an asset to this point has probably really been a hindrance in the last couple of weeks because I want to know exactly where it's going. And that's just me being being completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. You're lost. You're a little lost. Very lost. Yeah. Like I'm deep in the woods, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm out there just feeling around in the dark, yeah. hoping that I don't, you know, you know, fall on a log Walk, or something. Yeah. Or wa- step off a cliff. Mm-hmm. That'd be me. So this idea of a dark side is actually really biblical. I was thinking, you know, about Paul in scripture and he talks in Romans chapter number seven a lot. He says, I, I don't want to do the things that I do. You know, he says in verse 15, I'm actually going to turn there. He, he's talked about how we have this fleshly war inside of us. And here's what he says. He says, uh, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate, right? And I think that's where a lot of guys come into play. Like, we don't even understand our own actions. We don't even understand the dark side. So we're doing things that we hate. Have you ever seen that in your own life? I mean, I know because of our conversations, we're, we're starting to figure out our own weaknesses, probably because we're getting a little bit older. Right. But in the very beginning, I don't know about you. Did you always know that you had these problems or no, did you not, not understand it? No, not at all. I had no idea. Um, didn't know it existed. And to be honest with you, I felt like everything that I was doing um, was the right decision at the time that the way that I was looking at it was correct. Mm hmm. Um, because you know, you, I don't know that anybody wants to go through life with the idea that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I've got this thing all messed up. Yeah. You know, I think in, in one way or another, we justify what our feelings are and what our actions are in one way or another. No doubt. No doubt. So how did you discover that you had the dark side? I mean, was there an event that you're like, Oh, that's it. That's, that's, that's a problem in my life. So 
I don't know that um, there was, I just had an epiphany um, that said that all of a sudden that what I had in mind was incorrect. Um, but what I do know is that um, I, uh, I've never been a guy that has had um, a lot of friends. And what I mean by that is I had friends in high school and mm-hmm. things, but um, outside, once, once you graduate high school, I mean, it, it, it everything's kind of different. And I really didn't have this huge, um, you know, cast of friends in my life that, uh, one, uh, they, they weren't, they didn't exist. It's not like I had some that were a bad influence or some that were a good influence. I had acquaintances and, and I had maybe one, two, two people that, you know, I could say, Hey, these are, these are really, you know, good friends of mine. Um, and, I would say that upon coming to our church that I started to develop like real friends mm-hmm. um, and um, always in my life, my friends have been older than me. Even when I was really young, I remember the kids in the neighborhood were older and just my, you know, there wasn't anybody else. So they were mm-hmm. my friends. Yeah. And then going through school, um, you know, I was in the seventh, eighth grade running around with people that had their license because that was fun mm-hmm. and um, they were my friends. So um, and it was no different when um, we we started coming to Jay. So I, I became friends with a, a lot of guys that had a lot more experience mm-hmm. than me that had um, maybe not completely raised their families, but were, were kind of coming to the finish line on in some cases and. Um, I had several of them and, and, you know, we, uh, developed relationships and, and, um, I kind of started enjoying life a little bit mm-hmm. and it's not that I had, um, didn't have joy in my life before, but really, um, you know, I work 70, 75, some cases, 80 hours a week, and it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for yourself. So you go to work and you come home and then, you know, your day off, you, you've got a wife and, and, and a son at the time, and, you know, you got to be a husband and dad. And, um, that just kind of what, it, what my life was, um, you know, dad, dad works and, um, works super hard. And then, um, you know, you got to be a dad and you got to be a husband and try to do the right thing. And, um, and that's it. So, in developing these relationships, I kind of started getting to do some yeah. stuff. And I was like, Hey, you know, there's, there's kind of more to life than, uh, work. than just work. Yeah. Um, like I can have fun too. And I know that makes it, when I say that, it makes it sound like I didn't have fun before. I don't mean it that way. Um, but it was just a different, it was a different experience. And so it kind of started giving me the idea that, you know, Life really doesn't begin and end with working. And I think that through um, some of the things that I was included in, um, you know, be it riding motorcycles or, um, you know, having breakfast once a week with with guys that that I'm friends with, um, you know, getting to go fishing, uh, getting to go to fish fries and, and, um, uh, different things like that 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 I was included in. Um, it gave me the want to do something other than work. Whereas before, I kind of didn't know what you don't know what you're missing. You don't you know? know what you don't know. 
You don't know what you don't know. And um, so that kind of started to um, open up for me the idea that, hey, you know what? I need to maybe be um, slow down some when it comes to work. Now, having said that, it makes it sound super selfish, and it really kind of was. So because that was really what probably opened my eyes initially. And that sounds horrible because I've got a wife and a son, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that just for a second because it's equally as important. Um, For a long time, um, you know, basically the time that I spent with my boy, um, with my oldest son was – it was my responsibility to get him up in the morning and get him dressed for the day and get him breakfast. I would leave our home in Miami and drive to Grove and we would, you know, visit as much as a one and two mm-hmm. and three year old can and um, have breakfast. And I would take him to his grandparents' house and then I would go to work. And then when I got home, we would usually be sometime around 10, 10 30, something mm-hmm. like that. Well, that's you know bedtime. So if he was awake, it was spent on his floor yep. watching a movie while he was while he was in bed. And then you know on my day my days off, we'd do things as a family and and um, and on Sunday as well. But really, outside of that, um, I started to realize, hey, this guy's four. Yeah, and I don't, I wasn't really there for much of it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the industry that I'm in game day is, or the big day is kind of Saturday. Mm. Well, for everybody else, that's when birthdays are, that's yep. when, um, you know, any sort of celebrations are and things. And I, I'd missed all of them, Yeah, you know, not, not, not just for the four years of his life, but for the four and a half years that we were married before he was born. Mm-hmm. And, um, I kind of started realizing that, you know, there's going to be a day when, He's not going to run up to me and hug me when I get home. Yeah. I mean, we're there now. I mean, that's heavy. uh, You know, now, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he'll be nine in July and uh, I get, Hey dad, you know, he doesn't run to me and hug me. Now JW does, but, but he's four, you know? Um, And uh, you know, there, there's a day when that stuff stops and um, I burn it. Mm -hmm. I burnt, I burnt four years of it. And then I guess the third thing um, when my eyes were starting to open was just the amount of parenting and conducting and running a home that my wife had done by herself. Yeah. And, um, you know, it takes a lot to run a house. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I say that and I know that. Um but when you really stop and think about what needs to get done and what has to take place to run a house mm-hmm. and then to take care of children on top of it, a lot. it's a lot. And she basically did that. Um, you know, uh, I remember, I don't remember... I remember like a clip I saw one time and a guy was like, I'm, I'm like a single parent here. I wash and dry, you know, <laughs> and, and essentially that's what she did. Mm-hmm. You know, she washed and dry. I mean, she was the parent that 
you know, lifted him up and taught him stuff. And she was also the disciplinarian in, in mm-hmm. a lot because I wasn't there. Yeah. So I think that those three things are what kind of woke me up to, Hey, you might have not the right idea about this whole deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't, um, I didn't, I was wrong. I was wrong for, you know, nine years or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a tough realization. Um, but, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, I'm all out of time machines, so I just got to try to do better now. And, uh, there's a lot to be said and there's a lot of benefits and I still take pride in working hard. Mm -hmm. I still take pride in, in, um, you know, uh, doing a good job and making sure that my family is provided for and um and all those different things but um it doesn't start and end with that no there's a whole nother whole nother side to it yeah i think you said two things that are really interesting and the book echoed that a little bit when it came to discovering your dark side you said first it was getting around other people and i think that's where we as guys are really bad when it comes to self-reflecting is that we don't surround ourselves with the right people right so you, what you said that you did and what I've discovered in my own life is I, I like hanging out with people who I feel like are better than me yes. in an area of my life. Right. Because what that does is that teaches me my deficiencies. Yeah. And I like learning. So I like learning from other people. And so I don't know, you, got, you might be listening to this podcast saying, well, I'm not sure what my dark side is. I don't think you can discover that until you get yourself around the right people. Because we tend to rise or fall to the level of the people we're surrounding ourselves with. And frankly, a lot of times we surround ourselves with subpar people and we live subpar lives. That's correct. You know, you're, you're talking about the industry you're in. Probably there's a lot of people who are divorced and never see their kids because that's just what they do. And so that's what they expect everybody else to do around them. And so you got to be careful with that. And church is the same way, mind you. We, we say it's different because we're doing it for, quote unquote, we're doing it for the Lord. But we use our children to build the, the foundation. We'd use our wife to build the foundation on. So I don't think you can discover your dark side without surrounding yourselves by the right people. And the other thing you said that I thought was really good is you got to slow down enough to self-reflect. Right. When you slow down and you start looking, you say, man, my son is four years old and I missed a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it, you, you only see that when you slow down long enough to reflect on your life. So if you're listening to this and you say, I'm not sure what my dark side is. I think you got to look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And I think you got to really think, am I slowing down enough to really get honest with myself? Which I think leads to a good question. How hard is it for you to say, dang, I screwed up on this. Was that hard for you personally? I mean, did you take that hard or, or what was that like? Um, yeah, it, it, it's super hard. I think that, uh, um, and, 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 you know, it, it could be me. I don't know. Um, Cause I'm not, explored this a whole lot, but I think, um, I don't think the human race in general likes to say, Hey, I messed this still up. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I think that when you are a husband and a father and the, the head of a household for you to go, Hey, I got nine years of this deal and I messed this deal up. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's like a deficiency is, uh, for you is, I mean, that's everything that you are. And, um, you know, for so long, my identity, um, was so skewed that, um, you know, my, my self-worth was identified with 
the amount of money I brought home mm-hmm. um, or the home that I lived in or the car that my wife drove or uh, in, in material things. So, um, and it's not something that, you know, I'd admit to, mm-hmm. but I knew that, um, you know, these having thing, having things is a sign of success mm-hmm. and, um, I want to be successful. I want my family to be successful. I want them to have a life that I didn't have, so on and so forth. And when you only have your eye on that ball, um, yeah, I mean, it's super tough to come to the realization that, Jake, you have become someone that really has too much value in his surroundings, yeah. in his things, in his um, what he appears to look like to other people. In, in your status, um, you've placed your, I mean, who you are in, in, in the wrong stuff. You, you do not have this figured out. You are wrong. Yep. And, um, yeah, that's super tough. Super tough. That's an interesting point, too, because I think every, every person's dark side probably skews where their identity comes from. And I think you see that in the book. You know, almost every one of those is going to skew, you know, take Samson, for example. You know, I mean, he was all about his strength, but yeah, he was completely skewed in who he was because every time he got around a woman, it messed him up. Right. You know, you had Saul. He was all about his image to the other people. I mean, that's ultimately why he got kicked out because he was worried about his kingdom. Right. Yeah. So even if it's not stuff that you're, that has your identity, it's something. Right. You know, and I think that, I think we need to be aware of that. Do you think there was an event in your life that solidified the dark side for you? Like, could you go back to a, a one specific instance? Because in the book, a lot of their their te- their uh, case studies, you know, they remembered a specific instance with a conversation with a friend or with a teacher or a parent that solidified that dark side in them as children. I personally can't think of a single instance that brought me to where I am today. I just know that 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 obsessive controlledness is there, you know, in my own life. Did you have an instance or was it just kind of accumulation? No. Um, I've got, I've got a, maybe a couple. Um, I don't know that I could just narrow it down to one. Um, I, um, I think part of what I mentioned before about having older friends, I think that maybe um, when I was young, I, knew too much um concerning maybe my you know my parents and uh their relationship and um just basically the breakdown of that um and when it started to um really dissolve there's there's one memory in particular that i have and um it was uh we were at a park um playing my brother and i and my dad were playing and they were already my parents were already separated but my mother had come um on her lunch break to the park. And, um, I remember sitting there while she ate lunch. And I remember, uh, particularly more attention being given to my brother. Now at that time I was somewhere around, I, I would have had to have been in the second grade. So I'm guessing, you know, eight years old. Now I have an eight year old. So I know that when you're eight, and um, you probably know a little more than you should, mm-hmm. or you are maybe, uh, 
I don't know that mature is the the deal, but you're 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 curious. You're more self aware. You, you dig a little more. You're more yeah. self aware. Um, that can be a little annoying mm-hmm. for an adult. No doubt. You have to watch um, what you say. You have to for watch. The kids. You have to watch what you say. You have to um, be careful how much information you divulge mm-hmm. to them because they're not equipped to process and handle it. And at the end of the day, it's not their responsibility. Nope. Um, and in particular, I remember kind of, and I don't remember, I'm sure I was shooting questions. Who knows what it was? I don't know. But I kind of got my head bit off a little bit. Yeah. And I remember feeling, um, I remember feeling super, super, I mean, just really down. Mm. And I remember getting up from the table and, um, like going and kind of playing by myself mm. um, and her and my brother, um, you know, finishing her deal or whatever. And, uh, you know, she just kind of waved. And, you know, like when you um, correct a child or when you, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, you you get onto them or, or, or I don't want to say snap, yeah. but, you know, something like that. I mean, there, there there's there's an importance of, like explaining what just occurred yep. and, you know, making up, Yep. you know, and I, I distinctly remember her getting up and waving by mm. and that being it. Wow. So, um, and I didn't audibly question my worth to mm-hmm. her, um, like in my mind at that time. Yeah. But, uh, looking back, I did, mm. you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and then there were a couple of instances when, I remember that she chose um, the bar over time with me and my brother. And um, again, it wasn't like an audible thing in my mind, like, oh, well, she's picking that over me or I'm not good enough or, um, you know, she won't come get us for this, that or the other thing. Um, It's my fault. Uh, You know, I'm the reason I didn't have the self-awareness to go that far with it, but I think I embedded it in my mind. And I believe that I decided that I'll show you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. Subconsciously. And I think the way that I decided I was going to do that is to work super hard and just have the idea and that I wasn't going to quit mm-hmm. and that my um, status would prove that um I made it. I made it without help, without your help, you know, um, which is super immature. And uh, obviously I'm not, I have nothing without God's grace, mm-hmm. but I also think that I was, I have been motivated, especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my um, late teens and all through my twenties, probably, or the early part of my twenties, early and mid twenties, uh, I was motivated to, um, prove something, prove something. Yeah. Uh, and I did it fast. I, I did it. I did it fast by God's grace. And I did it at what cost though. And you know, you can't go back. So no, you can't. That's interesting. I had not heard that. You know, I think for me, I, I was looking at, my own life. And I can't point to a specific instance where I think the, the dark side was solidified for me. I think where I, this whole idea of being able to control the outcome of things, it's normally because I can think through almost any situation about 10 different ways. 
and figure out the one that makes the most sense that I can sell and steer the ship that direction mm-hmm. in almost any area of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there was a there was a specific instance that wounded me to make me that way, or if it was just that I always figured out, even as a young boy, that I could do that. My mom used to not make fun of me, but she used to say, you can argue your way out of anything. Mm-hmm. And so that was almost just like a learned habit mm-hmm. of success that I've done my entire life. But when you start doing that to your wife or your kids, that's not beneficial. It's not fun anymore. No, it's not fun anymore. And that's what I've always done. Now, the interesting thing, though, is that God almost always redeems everything. Right. You know, I mean, you, you look at these guys that were mentioned in this book and and you look at Paul that we referenced earlier. It was it, Paul was probably compulsive. Yeah. You look at his life. I mean, that moralistic I mean, he was literally killing Christians when he was a Jew because he felt like that was the right thing to do. Right. You know, and obviously uh, he he worked himself, I mean, literally to death there at the end. But God can redeem our dark sides and use it for his glory. And I think that's the thing that every guy has to understand. Just because we identify the dark side doesn't mean that it's going to be a hindrance in our life. God redeems that and uses it for his glory. Um, obviously, with your work ethic, that has paid off in your life. Yeah, there was a cost to it, but now that you're aware of it, you're starting to to make that more of an asset than a liability. Trying to, yeah. Yeah, and I hope that in my own life, knowing how I work things through, that I'm using that as an asset and letting God reign that in in my own life. So in a lot of ways, how I've discovered my dark side is also how I'm reigning in my dark side, you know what I mean, by yeah. the guys I'm around. I mean, Jake and I had a conversation the other day, you know, and and – uh, because we're both compulsive, sometimes we can be intense with each other. Is yeah. that a good way to say it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and then the next day, the thing I appreciate the most is he called me and said, hey, you said something I'm not sure was right. And you called me on it. And I thought, you know, he is right. He is right. I need to rein some of that in a little bit. So I think for me, I'm, I'm learning how to rein in that dark side and redeem that dark side the same way I discovered it by having the right people in my life to help encourage me, to push me the right way. Of course, the word, prayer, you know, slowing down a little bit. How, how have you, you know, redeemed or reined in your dark side to use it as an asset and not a liability? Um, the first one thing I want to mention, though, is so interesting when you brought up the fact that you have this innate ability to look at a um, a conversation of conflict mm-hmm. and you've got it planned to a T mm-hmm. because you want to win. Yeah. So I, I am the same. Um, I, I have that and I don't know why that is. Um, but I feel like I was conditioned for it because I mentioned before that, um, I was, uh, um, when my dad remarried that I had two stepsisters, right. Mm-hmm. And my older sister, um, we have a really, really good relationship now. Right. Mm-hmm. But we were both the oldest uh, and I was no longer the oldest. Yeah. And she used to make me so mad. Yeah. And she would pick at me and I would do the same to her, but Mm -hmm. I would in my mind work out every argument, Mm -hmm. every discussion with what is my rebuttal. Mm -hmm. And, um, I haven't worked out, you know, because I didn't want to lose. Yep. You know, so that, that that's super interesting. It's it's weird that you say that too, because I had this epiphany the other day. It was actually with Jake and his family. We had all the staff over when we were playing a game and we we're playing catchphrase. And it's a game that you cannot control the outcome of it. Because what tends to happen are the people who are the slowest at answering tend to win because they sit there and, and you know, mess around for five minutes trying to figure out the answer to this game. 
And then once they finally get it, they throw you the little deal on the buzzer. And it's on. out of time. Yeah, right? it's out of yeah. time. It makes me so mad. Yeah. I hate playing like Uno. I hate playing Sorry. <laughs> I hate playing all those games that require zero skill. And it's just kind of the luck of the draw because I have no outcome to it. Yeah. If we're playing chess or something like that and you beat me, you beat me because I, I'm not as good as you are. And I'm okay with that. We, we play football and I lose. I tend not to be a sort of a loser. Right. And afterwards, I'm like, why do I let these games bother me so much? And I realize it's because I can't control the outcome. Right. You know, and that's really interesting. Why? Because I want to win. It's right. not about, it's not about, I hate losing as much as I hate not being able to control the outcome of it. So it's interesting you brought that up. Um, you know, one thing about it though, I really do think that God does redeem our dark sides. All the people that this book referenced, except for a couple of them, ended up doing great things for God. And obviously Paul that we referenced earlier did. And I think as long as we're constantly letting God come in and just examine our heart and prune our heart, he helps steer that stuff in a way that he can use. Because I think that's important to realize in this is that the reason why these things are, are bad in our life is because the enemy has twisted them. But something was put there to begin with. Yeah. And something, God put it there. Right. Like that work ethic, God put that in your life. The enemy is the one that twisted it in your life and our own fleshly nature twisted it. Right. But God can redeem that stuff back. You know, being able to think things through and, and work things out. That was a gift that God put in my life, that analytical yeah. side of me. But the enemy skewed it, my flesh skewed it, but God worked it back out. And I think ultimately these things that we're talking about are not to to beat us down or, or to beat you down as a listener, but rather for us to be aware of them so that we can let God work them out. And when you slow down and reflect and you let others speak into your life, and obviously through spiritual disciplines, it will do that. I do want to do one more question before we, before we wrap this up. Uh, Jake and I both have boys and they're almost the same age. I have one son, Jake has two. Um, but when I was reading this, realizing that that's in my son, you know, he's going to have a dark side too. And the fact that so many things when, when you're, you're young will solidify that when you're older. I mean, I, I don't know what to do with that. Do you think that we can help steer our boys where they're aware of their dark side and it be, doesn't become a liability later? You know, I hope so. I hope so because uh, you know, and I think that I, I think the only answer to that is is yes because you know I um, you don't want your kids to go through what you you went through you know you don't want them to um, you want the very best for them mm-hmm. um, now we've got to be mindful of what that is I mean sometimes the very best form is a hard lesson yeah um, and uh, you know it it um, I wish there was a book because unfortunately yeah. it's kind of uh it's kind of up to you how hard the lesson is sometimes and and we don't always get it mm-hmm. right. Um but yeah, I mean, I hope so. And actually having this conversation um really makes me want to dig in a little bit and find out okay, so what are what are my boys' strengths right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can change. Yep. What are what are my boys' strengths right now, and and then what what is the dark side of those strengths, mm-hmm. and can we start having conversations about this that will give them a leg up when they start to when they have their first when they have their first relationship, for instance. Yeah. So in their teens or or whatever, when they have you know the, when they have their first issue with with a buddy, or yep. um, when they get their first job, um, uh, make their first financial decision. Um, because you know, there's, 
there's so many areas where this dark side, it wasn't just that I worked all the time, but I made because of my status, my, my yep. skewed system and my skewed view of my status and how important it was. I mean, I, I basically was a wreck financially, you know, for, for a long time. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, it can affect so many different areas of your life. I mean, as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a, you know, uh, just, just running the business of your house, you know, I mean, those dark sides can have a negative effect on them. So, yeah, I mean, this, this has prompted me just, and when you mentioned this, you, you kind of just gave me a brief overview of what we were going to talk about. And, and, uh, it's been in the back of my mind, but I, I'm driven to find out what those are right now Mm -hmm. um, because I do want to have that open line of communication with my boys and uh, let's talk about, Hey, look, you're really good at this, but here's what's going to happen. Or do you see what just happened? Yep. Here's why that happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. That made you mad or that made you sad or that gave you, you know, the motivation because of this, this, and this, and we can talk about why that's good, but we also need to talk about, Hey, here's why that's not good. Because those feelings can turn into, you know, emotions that cause you to make the wrong decision. Yep. Um, you know, and uh, and that's, I think that's true for for all of us, and will continue to be. You know. Yeah, I don't think we can keep them from that completely. No. But Knox is a lot of the ways, or excuse me, one of the biggest reasons why I started discovering my dark side because I'm, we're almost a mirror to each other in so many different areas. Right. That obsessiveness that that analytical side man that's his mind he will work something through his mind over and over and over again and that's been a lot of his problems because sometimes he'll focus on the negative stuff you right. know um but trying to steer that to be a, a, an asset later on in life i i hope we can obviously we're not going to be able to keep them from everything because right. they're still going to do what they do sure they have to suffer through some of that too but ultimately making them aware of that so with that we, we've kept you long enough on this deal and and hopefully you have found it a, to be a benefit to you uh, but if you're a guy, I would encourage you maybe even check out this book, but, but slow down a little bit, examine your life. Think about, you know, what, what are some of my strengths that are also my weaknesses and, and think about, you know, how, how the Lord can bring that to your life where, where it's not as much of a liability. I'm not sure it can ever be completely eliminated because we're still fleshly and we're still going to make mistakes, you know, but, but where it's not as much of a hindrance in our own life where we can grow and we can lead our families and our friends and our businesses and our workplaces, you know, be an effective asset there. I think, I think remembering that a big part of um, what's going to help you see this, what could be your dark side is surrounding yourself with the right type of people, Mm -hmm. with the people that you would like to emulate. And um, you know, I don't know who told me, but I've heard it a million times in my life now. It's, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You yep. know, I remember uh, talking about that when uh, we were youth sponsors years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when and, and there's not a truer statement. You know, if you find yourself around people that are negative all the time, you will be a negative person. No doubt. If you find yourself surrounded by successful people and you're open and you are willing to let them pour into your life, you're going to start finding some success. Mm-hmm. And, uh it's not all going to happen, you know, exactly when you want it to, but it will happen. It will happen. Um, the the incline, it's like riding a bike in my mind. So you're around negativity. That's going down. It's going to happen a lot sooner mm-hmm. than the work of being successful in whatever area it is. And that can be from being successful, being in the word, having a healthy prayer life mm-hmm. or, or, or having a good work ethic or being a good dad, good husband. It's a lot more work. 
and it doesn't it doesn't happen as quick nope. but it will happen it will happen that make an interesting podcast too about how to surround yourself with the right people because this is a whole nother conversation i don't want to go around down the rabbit trail but it's been my observation that a lot of times when people get around someone who is a influential leader or someone smart the, the that they just want to talk and tell this person how how smart they are mm-hmm. have you ever noticed that I see this all the time. They, at they feel inferior. They do. So they feel like they have to justify themselves instead of just shutting their mouth and asking questions. Right. They start making statements. Right. Never ceases to amaze me to see that happen. Yeah. I was, uh, I was listening to a, uh, I do some consulting work for a, for an automotive group in, in, in Texas. And I was listening to uh, a podcast that they did or, uh, or a leadership podcast that they did. And uh, the guest that he had on there, he said, you know, I always encourage people to get in front of people and um, be around successful people. He said, but it amazes me that they don't value their time. Yeah. So they come and they won't be still long enough to hear what the person that they want to be around has to offer to them. Or they won't. He, he also mentioned they don't even bring anything to write on. That, you know, oh, that's pet peeve. <laughs> they don't bring anything to write on. So what are you going to take from this? Did we take this meeting yeah. so you could tell me what all you got going on? Or did we take this meeting for you to ask me some very serious questions that you could apply the answers to your life? And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yep. That uh, there's a there's a lot to be said about uh, shutting up. Oh, there's a lot to be said about shutting up. And just as a word of advice, if you can get yourself to get an audience with one of those people, you tell them from the very beginning, "Hey, I value your time. I'm taking notes. Yeah. You can do that on your phone. You can do that on a piece of paper. It doesn't matter." But if you start taking notes, I guarantee you they will stay with you all afternoon. Why? Because people like sharing what they know. Yeah. And especially if they have been successful, it's probably because someone poured into their life. And if they see you valuing the information you are giving them or they're giving to you. They're compelled to give it. They're compelled to give it. And they'll keep giving it because they want to see you succeed because they see some of themselves inside of you. So that's just a word of the wise. And a lot of times those, those, those type of leaders, they remember in their life when – they were poured into yep and they're just waiting to see who they can pour into yep and what you'll do with it yep and you'll differentiate yourself from so many people because most people won't do that most right. people won't value their time most people won't take notes most people won't put the work in because jake's right it's a lot more work so when you do those type of things they will see that and, mm-hmm. and they're just going to want to keep reciprocating it because that's exactly what they did to get where they're at right yeah right all right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We could keep you all day, but we're not going to do that. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is something we're going to try to do for the next few months just to give some content out. And so be looking forward to the next episode of the Coalition Podcast. Have a great afternoon.